0: Eternal God, in the reading of the Scripture may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known, and in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Our reading today comes from oh, it's the wrong readings, sorry, on the screen there. The first reading today comes from the Psalms. Psalm one hundred forty six. Praise the Lord. That my whole being praise the lord i will praise the lord all my life i will sing praises to my god as long as i live don't trust leaders don't trust any human beings there's no saving help from them their breath leaves them and then they go back to the ground on that very same day their plans die too the person whose help is the god of jacob the person whose hope Rests on the Lord their God, is truly happy. God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, God who is faithful forever, who gives justice to people who are oppressed, who gives bread to people who are starving, the Lord who frees prisoners, the Lord who makes the blind see, the Lord who straightens up those who are bent low, the Lord who loves the righteous, the Lord who protects immigrants, who helps orphans and widows, but who makes the way of the wicked twist and turn. The Lord will rule forever. Zion, your God, will rule from one generation to the next. Praise the Lord. Our second reading is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 22. The Lord proclaims, Do what is just and right. Rescue the oppressed from the power of the oppressor. Don't exploit or mistreat the refugee, the orphan, and the widow. Don't spill the blood of the innocent in this place. And our final reading is from the book of Micah, chapter 6. With what should I approach the Lord and bow down before God on high? Should I come before him with entirely burned offerings, with year-old calves? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? many torrents of oil? Should I give my oldest child for my crime, the fruit of my body for the sin of my spirit? He has told you, human one, what is good and what the Lord requires from you, to do justice, embrace faithful love, and walk humbly with your God. Here ends the reading. As many of you may or may not know, uh, I live in Tokyo, Japan. I've been here for about three and a half years now. When uh, when I got to Japan, I w- was aware that Christians were a very small minority of the population here. I had just finished my seminary uh, degree. I I was um, awaiting ordination in the United Church of Christ at the time, but when I got the offer to come to Japan for my full-time job, as it were, I couldn't pass it up. It was an offer that I, an opportunity that I'd wanted for a long time, and I felt that God was calling me to come here, and so I did, and there was a lot of uncertainty with that. New language, new place, new people, and my wife and my kiddo both followed me here, um, despite their their concerns or misgivings about the language and, and whatnot. And when I got here, I talked to people about Christianity. Um, tried to find a church to attend. Ended up at an Anglican church uh, in town, an English-speaking Anglican church, Episcopal church. And ended up taking on, uh, because, you know, when when you're called to ministry, you're called to ministry. You find it however you can. I ended up taking on their homeless ministry. And uh, this was a, a project that they were working on in conjunction with many other um, churches in the area. Unfortunately, uh, COVID-19 brought a sudden stop to that ministry for a while, Um, but I'm hopeful that it's going again, although I'm no longer uh, part of it. So this ministry was, they called Rice Patrol, and the way it worked is every, every, uh, well, one, actually one Sunday a month, um, or Saturday, one Saturday a month, Sorry, we would go to uh, to the Franciscan Chapel Center in Tokyo, uh, a large Roman Catholic um, Franciscan uh, monastery, with a with a congregation and you know priests and everything there. There's it's a it's a church too, not just a monastery. And uh, we would go down to the into the kitchen in the basement, and they have um, these huge rice cookers. They they make um, just a lot of rice. I can't you know a coffee can full of of a, you know a big coffee can full of of um, raw rice with it into them. and there's two of them and we would fill it up with rice and we would make rice balls which are the the sandwich of Japan if you will um, simply uh, rice with some something in them in this case we put uh, ume which are um, pickled plums which is a very common um Japanese snack ume ume onigiri ume rice ball and we made a couple hundred of these and then we um We spent maybe an hour or two making rice balls. And then they would go into um, into bags and into a cooler. And they would get picked up the next morning at about 5 a.m. and taken out to uh, a a homeless community in Shibuya and given out um, to the homeless there. Homelessness in Tokyo is a very different thing than homelessness in in the U.S., where I'm from. Uh, And I could go on in that in length, but it would uh, would get off the point of what I'm trying to say. Trying to get to here. What amazed me about that um, program was that it was orchestrated by the Franciscans, by the by the Franciscan Chapel Center, and there were uh, churches from all over town, English speaking and Japanese speaking, and I'm sure um, other languages as well, who would uh, who would volunteer to take one day a month, and every day, every day, um, a church group would show up and make a couple hundred rice balls. Uh, and they would be given out the next morning every day all the time. and that was an amazing an amazing outreach, an amazing uh, uh, mission of all of the churches in the area, not just not just the Roman Catholic Church, not just the Anglican Church, but all kinds of churches. But it was kind of housed at and orchestrated by the the Franciscans, um, which if you know anything about the Franciscans makes perfect sense. but this is kind of aligns with what i I learned about how people see uh, Christianity in Japan. So if you talk to to the average person uh, in Japan about Christianity, um, they will almost certainly know of it. I I haven't met anybody who doesn't know about Christianity. Um, They'll have very strong preconceived notions about it, that it's very strict, um, that, um, for lack of a better way of putting it, that Christians are kind of prudish, um, that they're very kind of moral and... um, uh, to like, to a fault, <laughs> and that they kind of disapprove of a lot of things. That there are a lot of things that, that you can't do if you're a Christian that you're disapproved of. Um, if they know a little bit more, then they they know that there are two kinds of Christians. There are Christians, and there are Catholics, and that's the that's the Japanese terminology for it. Um, and now you know those are the two kinds, <laughs> and uh, most. Japanese know nothing about denominations, about Protestantism versus Catholicism, uh, Roman Catholicism, except that they're different. Um, you know, uh, that's about that's about it. But if you ask people uh, who know the difference about the Catholics and the, and the Protestants, or who don't know the difference, uh, who, who who just think Christians as a as a general group, if you ask them about the the Roman Catholic. Uh, churches in town they will mention generally three things uh, they'll mention community outreach to the homeless they'll mention uh, the hospital Tokyo has uh, St. Luke's International Hospital which is a, a very large hospital facility that has uh, English speaking staff on site we we basically go there for the, anything kind of major that we need done we go to the St. Luke's for um, and the schools. There are lots of private Catholic schools in Tokyo. Uh, Some of them are English-speaking, some of them are are Japanese-speaking. Generally they are some of the cheapest uh, or least expensive um, private schools in town. So the the folks who know a little bit more about the Catholics and about Christianity generally think of them as helping the poor and the helpful, healing the sick, and educating uh, children. Not a bad thing to be known for uh, at all. And uh, whatever you, you might think about the Roman Catholic Church and the, the problems that it's had in the past, and it has certainly had lots of problems and continues to have lots of problems um, that it's you know coping with today, um, putting all that aside, they have certainly done this thing fairly well. They have gone out into the world and built hospitals and schools and done community outreach especially with the homeless um, and the hungry. So they are in really living this, this scripture reading that we have um, to, to help the needy. And it amazes me how the, the first thought of people when I talk to them here is not that the, that the Catholics, the Roman Catholics want you, to be a member of the Roman Catholic Church, before you gain help, before you're given food, before you're uh, healed, before you are taught. In fact, um, you know the Roman Catholic schools don't require that their that the students be Roman Catholics. They they do require they go to they go to um, a chapel service, but they don't require that they actually are Roman Catholics. Um, the The hospital never mentions it. Um, you know they. And, uh, they have a, again, they have a chapel on site and everything. And I've seen the priests walking around, but religion never comes up. Um, and, uh, the homeless outreach, there's no proselytizing, a uh, proselytizing, prostatub- pros- there's no convincing people. <laughs> there, there's no, there's no evangelism involved in the homeless outreach. They're just there to feed the homeless. Um, so often when I hear of, of, uh, Christian mission groups going out. One of their primary goals is to convert people, to to bring people over to Christianity. Often out of a out of an uh, sincere desire to keep them out of hell. And again, this is where a universalist understanding um, of Christianity really frees us from this concern. You know, we know that everyone will eventually be reconciled with God. Now, you know, I certainly do want people to. to to convert to Christianity, if you will, to be involved in in Christianity and in the, in the Christian um, religious life, because I feel that um, doing so makes you a better person, uh, and that that being a better person <laughs> will, of course, um, you know, make you uh, bring you in line with with God. Um, but we know that even those who are not will will eventually be reconciled with God, and that. That makes it easier for us to go out and, and do things like feed the homeless and uh, and take care of the poor and the needy and the widow. So let's look at the reading uh, this month. I, this week, I, you know, we're in the in the native in the narrative lectionary, and we are in the summer. And the narrative lectionary doesn't have any readings in the summer, so I've been kind of filling in readings on a weekly basis. And this week, um, there was some discussion online that I saw about systemized oppression. And um, and how to deal with with systemized depression and, and what that's you know how do we how do we um, handle that as as Christians from from a Christian worldview from a Christian um, background how how do we understand systemized oppression and what do we do about it and so I, I found these three uh, these three readings. Um, the first one is Psalm one forty six and I, I put the entire Psalm because I thought it was helpful to see it in context. And the Psalms, especially in this section, they're really uh you know, Psalms are, are songs. They're they're hymns. They're the they're the ancient Jewish hymns. Uh and they were almost certainly sung to music originally. Um, but this one is is crying out from a place of, of concern, a place of worry, a place of um maybe despair and you know saying that the 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 author is saying praise the lord praise the lord i'll always praise the lord always praise god you know i can't i can't rely on human leaders because they all eventually die and so even no matter you know even if their if their intentions are good and that they're doing good work um eventually they'll die And when they die their their plans die with them and so it's instead of putting my my reliance on human leaders i'll put my reliance on god and then they go on to talk about um, God, that God is faithful, um, gives justice to people who are oppressed, gives bread to people who are starving, frees prisoners, makes the blind to see, straightens those who are bent, uh, loves the righteous, protects the immigrants, helps the orphans and the widows. This is the kind of the, the list of things that comes up over and over again. When we hear about God's nature and what God asks us to do, in Jeremiah we have the prophet Jeremiah, and he is being sent to uh, to the king of Judah to uh, to complain, basically, to tell to tell the king, because the king is um, is about to be besieged by the Babylonians, to tell the king, look, if you you know, if you, you know, the reason things bad things are happening to you is because you've lost your way, and and what do you need to do are the is this and it says the Lord proclaims do what is just and right rescue the oppressed from the power of the oppressor don't exploit or mistreat the refugee the orphan and the widow don't spill the blood of the innocent in this place and then the last reading is from Micah another of the prophets and um this reading of course is uh is very well known in the Christian community Micah 6 and their their organization is called the Micah 6 organization and things but um I especially like the the common English translation of this. But, with what should I approach the Lord and bow down before God on high? Should I come before him with entirely burned offerings, with year-old calves? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with many torrents of oil? Shall I give my oldest child for my crime, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my spirit? So here the author is talking about the the, sac- the sacrifices that were required according to the law. Right according to the Torah, that you know you're supposed to offer bird offerings, you know a calf, a one-year-old calf with with no blemishes, um, you know a ram, um, so so many, you know uh, such 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 a volume of oil, such and such a volume of flour. Right, these were the offerings, and so they're saying, you know, well, you know, what will please the Lord? Hundreds of offerings? you know, but what if I what if I give everything I have? What if I, you know? should i give my child my, my you know my firstborn child for my crime but it's a rhetorical question and the answer comes right away he has told you human one what is good and what the lord requires from you to do justice to embrace faithful love and to walk humbly with your god to do justice and we hear this all the time to do justice and the the translation is perhaps a little lost on us because we you know, one of the things I think that we take for granted is the English translation of the Bible and the words in it that, um, that have changed meaning in the thousands of years since they were originally written. And uh, one of those is certainly justice. You know, the, the English language didn't exist when the Bible was written and um, the, the predecessor languages that did exist um, changed quite a bit, and many of them took on many words from the Bible and made them kind of core vocabulary. And so we have things that that come from the Bible that we kind of take for granted because they, you know, they're just part of our language, and we think we know what they mean, but we don't know what their original meaning was in the original Hebrew and, and Greek. And justice in in the in the Hebrew in the from the Old Testament, justice is not. Um, I mean, it can be. It can be kind of retributive justice, like you know, I did something wrong. And therefore, I am punished, right? Um, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? <laughs> uh, but more often than not, it means restorative justice. It's it's about um, restoring the the equality of people. You know, in uh, God created people in God's own image, and we often forget that, and we often forget that that all people, all people are created in the image of God, even the ones that we don't like, even the ones who have harmed us, even our enemies. And so we often treat each other as if we are not uh, all born in the image of God, all children of God. We treat each other in, in ways that are, that are damaging, in ways that are dehumanizing. Um, we lie, we cheat, we steal, you know, uh, all these things. And... The uh, and sometimes we 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 treat people poorly by what we don't do, right? By passing by, um, you know, on the on the way, passing somebody and saying, you know, I just can't I can't help you today. And so, justice is about restoring the equality of people, and we see this over and over again in the in the scriptures. We see it here, you know, in the, to do justice, right? The the quote from from Psalms. Um, you know, protect the innocent, help orphans and widows, free prisoners, um, give justice to the people who are oppressed, give bread to people who are starving. You know, in Jeremiah, um, rescue the oppressed from the power of the oppressor. And, and fortunately, it's you know it's true that, that um, you know we all we all are oppressed and, and oppressors in various ways. You know, uh, some much more than others by simply being by the, by the systems that we're involved in. It has, you know, often has is nothing of our own creation. It's just the situation we found ourselves in. You know, your your place of birth, your family heritage, uh, the money that you have, um, the the ethnic background that you come from, the languages you speak. All of these things can uh, put you in a better place or a worse place with no, you know, with, with no input from you. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything right. You just happened to be here. And, but we still benefit from these systems that are in place, or we are oppressed by these systems that are in place, uh, even if we're not trying. And so what God calls us to do is to break down those systems of oppression and release those who are oppressed from those systems and we see we see that god calls that righteousness when we do that and in the old testament there were all of these rules to help people be righteous do this and do that and do this and and the people always uh, disobeyed the rules always went astray and so more rules came on and more rules and more rules and the law got more and more complicated and then finally, Jesus comes. And Jesus shows us that the rules are getting in the way. And that we just need to focus on loving God and loving our neighbor. And Jesus does the thing. He he does justice. He sits with the sinners. He sits with the tax collectors. He sits with the well-to-do people. He eats with all of them. He talks to all of them. He does things that would make him ritually impure, uh, in his time, such as touch dead bodies, touch bleeding people, um, touch uh, people who have skin diseases and things, and he he heals them because that is what is just. That is what God calls us to do. And so we see finally in Jesus the, the kind of the the uh, continuation of this idea of what is justice and what God considers justice and what we are called to do. And it's not easy being being someone who is helping to bring God's justice into the world is not easy it's a very very difficult thing to do it's I know that this is perhaps the most um difficult and important thing that has come out of my own spiritual uh spiritual experiences over the last ten years has been really embracing this idea of you know that everybody is, is born in the image of God everybody even my enemies even the people that I hate um and that Jesus says, you know, it's, you know, not killing somebody is great, but if you hate somebody, you've already sinned, right? You, you've already transgressed. You've already messed up. That the hate is enough. I'm trying not to hate people, <laughs> even when they they do things against me, even when they when they're trying to hurt me, and it's difficult. It's really difficult. So. What I want you to do this week when you, when you leave and, and go back to your daily life and, and, and you know whatever uh, your occupation or, or, or uh, daytime looks like for you is think about, you know, first of all, think about those systems that are in place that, again, that you had nothing to do with, you had no say in, they just exist and how they either help you or hurt you. Think about ways where you can reach out to those who are oppressed and free them from that oppression. How you can feed the hungry. How you can help the poor. And in a meaningful way. You know, not by giving them a Bible. But by giving them a meal. Or a cloak. <laughs> you know, a blanket. A place to live. And not in a way that um, makes uh, makes you unsafe in some way. You know. Uh, but in a way that is truly restorative for everyone. Amen.